Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of the Fired Up and Plugged In podcast powered by Emergency Reporting. This is the podcast for all 21st century fire and EMS personnel. I'm Tom Lewis, Enterprise Training Manager and the podcast producer. Our topic today is community risk reduction and the power of a program that enhances the safety of all community citizens. Joining us is retired fire chief, Randy Brugman. During his 40 year career in local government, Chief Brugman was the president of the International Association of Fire Chiefs in 2002 to 2003, and also served as the president of the board of directors of the Center for Public Safety Excellence from 2004 to 2017. We at Emergency Reporting are grateful to have him as a member of our customer advisory board. Our special guest today is Joe Powers, Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction for the Charlottesville Fire Department in Virginia. You might say he's a powerhouse when it comes to progressive community risk reduction for his department. He'll be sharing his successes, challenges, and a wealth of ideas for creating a truly world-class program for keeping a community safe. So thanks for being with us today, and let's start the podcast. Chief Rubin. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome back to another session of uh, Fired Up and Plugged In. And today, it's uh, it's really an honor to have uh, Chief Joe Powers uh, from Charlottesville Fire uh, Department of Virginia uh, on the show today. Uh, and we're going to explore a little bit about uh, community risk reduction. Uh, and so uh, community, uh, Chief Powers has been uh, really a force uh, driving community risk reduction, not only within the city of Charlottesville, but nationally as well. And so we wanted to just have him on today and just kind of explore, you know, how he, as he migrated into Charlottesville, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but uh, how he has engaged uh, the entire department and the entire community in this uh, focused effort. So welcome, uh, Chief Powers. It's great to see you again. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me here. And I feel like I probably should send you a check for all the nice things you just said about me. <laughs> Okay, I'll send you my address later. Perfect. <laughs> but uh, let's let's just start today by uh, why don't you just tell everybody that's listening in the audience a little bit about yourself because you didn't start in Charlottesville. Uh, so, what's your background? Yeah, so um, so I've kind of had an interesting background, and I'm I'll go back a little bit. So I, I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, you know, I was born in Florida, um, grew up in Alaska. You went to Washington State. Um, but I, I made it to uh, um, to Virginia in the middle of high school by way of the West Coast, and I found the fire service in in rural Central Virginia as a um, as a great opportunity for a kid looking for something to do. Uh, and that that passion for fire service, the fire service, and really emergency services followed me into college. Uh, and coming out of college, I uh, I found that there was an internship with the Henrico County Division of Fire, which is outside of Richmond, Virginia, um, kind of the 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 uh, metro area of, uh, of Richmond. Um, so I was, I, I did a great internship with their, uh, um, with, that, with that department. Um, I actually ended up getting hired and spent almost 20 years um, as a professional firefighter there. I had this really interesting career and I, I attributed a lot to a, uh, um, a now retired battalion chief that, uh, uh, that gave me some advice. He's like, listen, the fire service, um, the fire service can, can really make you into a great storyteller at a bar uh, or, if you take the opportunities that are in front of you, uh, it, it can make you into something really, really great. So uh, I've I've kind of lived by that professionally. When when I see an opportunity pop up, you know, it, it takes me out of my comfort zone and I and I kind of jump on it and 
you know, you you can't uh, you can't try new things without saying yes to you know to some stuff that pops up. So, you know, I I spent um I spent a long time as a firefighter paramedic on an engine company. I went to a law enforcement academy. was a fire uh, was a fire oh. investigator with the fire marshal's office. Uh, I was the chief's uh, program um, or excuse me project manager. I did strategic planning. I was the accreditation manager. Um, I spent some time on the command team and operations. Uh, you know, and I was always had this passion for you know, why is it that we're doing the things that we're doing if the community needs something differently? And and that's where, you know, early in the 2000s, when I was an inspector building programs for, um, to meet the, meet the needs of the inspections that we were seeing, I think that's where community risk reduction really started with me. And I, and I took it on um, throughout my career. And uh, back in uh, January of, of 2020, just a year ago, um, Prior to COVID, if anybody remembers what that was like, that's when I came to the city of Charlottesville. They had posted a job at opening for the first deputy chief of community risk reduction with the uh, department, uh, and you know that then that's how I got here. Yeah. yeah, interesting background. So, I mean, when when you first uh, came across community risk risk reduction, what was the what what drew you in? Uh, you know, why why did you acclimate so quickly to that concept so i think in 2002 or 2003 um I, we were seeing the same problems occurring during um, business inspections. so uh, i said you know this is crazy that we continue to to see this why don't we put a training program together um, that focuses in on the problems that we're seeing and we deployed it and it, it, it essentially fixed our problems you know from a from a selfish side we were trying not to continually go back to the same businesses and and have these same conversations. So, you know, quarterly we put this program together and it worked out really well for our office and it worked out really well for the business community and, and big box stores and things like that. Um, you know, fast forward into, you know, 2014, 2015, uh, we had a, um, unfortunately we had a high, uh, a year of high fire deaths in, in the Richmond area. Uh, and our fire chief said, hey man, we, every, every house, every, every house um, needs to have a working smoke alarm. And I was like, that's a really great idea. Um, but we don't have the capacity to do that. Um, so what what I did and, and what I did with what I did with a, a large team of folks that that really poured their um, their heart into it is we developed a, a risk assessment that um, identified the specific homes that needed a working smoke alarm. We deployed light duty folks out to it. Um, you know, people that had knee injuries or back injuries, and somebody that could drive, somebody could put a smoke alarm up. All of a sudden, you had a team of uh, of smoke alarm technicians. Um, that one, they healed very quickly because they, they made it right back to operation. Um, but we always had this great, uh, um, this great team of folks. But we also found that 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 risk assessment was 90, like 92 or 93 percent reliable on identifying the right places to go. So all of a sudden we were we were doing the, the, the right things in the right places rather than just hitting knocking on every door in the neighborhood. We were knocking on the right three doors in the neighborhood. Um, and that's what really brought me in, saying that this is the this is the future of the fire service. Well, thank you. So, you know, when you when you left Henrico and you came to Charlottesville uh, as uh, and it's a pretty innovative job title, at least uh, in today's uh, today's fire service market, uh, community risk reduction chief. Yep. Uh, I applaud your fire chief for taking that step. I think that that shows that there's a real vision within um within the organization about where he wishes to take it but uh tell us a little bit about how you built that foundation once you got to charlottesville uh for community risk reduction 
because that's probably was somewhat of a uh, a challenge when I, I would imagine that when you first arrived. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like community risk reduction in many other fire departments, um, uh, the Charlottesville Fire Department had renamed fire prevention and renamed the fire marshal's office to mm -hmm. CRR. Uh, and, you know, when I got here, it was a traditional fire marshal's office. It was a, it was a model of fire inspectors and fire investigators um, that had changed the name of their section to community risk reduction because that's kind of what we did, you know, overall. Uh, so one of the first things that I, I know I needed to do um, was I, I needed to I needed to develop a game plan to get us from where we are now to where we're going. And, and I really called that I, I, we coined it the CRR change plan. Um, but really what it was was it was building the foundation for the house that we currently lived in. Um, we had we had mm -hmm. built these programs and we had built um, and we were semi successful with a lot of these things, but they weren't sustainable because the foundations weren't built. Uh, so um what i developed was what i what i did is i met with all of our um all of our staff individually and and i and i did a program or an exercise called um people positions and programs and it was post-it notes and if you know me i i'm all about big, really big pieces of paper and post-it notes so um whiteboards i've got i've got lots of whiteboards in my office and big pieces of paper but really we got down to um post-it notes about you as a person, what is it that you need for professional development? How can I support you as a um, as a supervisor? Obviously, and you know that that was first for us. Uh, then then we talked talked very specifically about the positions. Your position as a captain, that is a inspector and an investigator. Where are the opportunities? Where are the successes? Where are the um, you know the challenges? And we started to build that out. And then we looked at every program. And I only gave them I gave them eight minutes per program. So the programs that that you directly interact with. And it's almost like a SWAT, but it was a little different. And we did these post-it notes with um, with the programs. And I took all of that from all of these individual um, discussions, and we built out a really robust CR change plan, which essentially was building the foundation for all of the programs that we currently have, um, plus you know all of the things that I need, you know, from a risk assessment standpoint. Um, and that's how I got. We started to align the staff within the CRR section. You know, moving outside of out of my section, um, community risk reduction to me is an organization-wide initiative. It's not it's not a section. It's not a program. It really is the fire department because that's where that's what we do. Uh, so I started having these conversations with uh, um, with firefighters at kitchen tables, and I have a model of um, community risk reduction that I talk about a lot. That that talks about the incident and and the time of recovery. And if we can get those two things together, that's mm -hmm. where we start to see those major outcomes. Um, so eating lunches at, at kitchen tables, um, having these discussions about what community risk reduction really is, people started to realize they're like, oh, it's not the fire marshal's office. We're just not going to do the same thing over and over again. Uh, so one of the one of the exercises that I did, I printed big maps, laid them on kitchen tables, and uh, I had firefighters um, identify risks and target hazards. Uh, and I didn't identify, I didn't define risks or target hazards. I said, hey. Write it, let's all write it down. We'll, I'll take notes. Um, so of the, you know, we're a relatively small department of uh, 10 square miles and 50,000 people. So we have four engine companies running out of three stations. So three stations and three shifts. I came up with, I came out with these nine maps. Um, and we had maps on um, apparatus access only because that's what that station decided to uh, focus on. We had maps on um, vulnerable populations where, where the, um, the, the people were living that, that had needs. And it was it was a wide spectrum, and it was really amazing. And we took it and put it into a um, a web map, 
and uh, started assigning um, people to start to mitigate some of these things. Like, and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about, you know, why the fire department doesn't need to do it all. And we start to talk about partnerships. Uh, mm -hmm. But once we started to understand what community risk reduction is, gather the feedback from both our internal staff and the fire department and the firefighters, then we started to get a lot of this buy-in. And then the last thing from a, the biggest part of uh, coming into the, uh, the Charlottesville area is saying, hey, listen, we have got to have this comprehensive risk assessment that says what it is that we need to do um, and where we need to do it more specifically. Uh, and that's what we're, uh, we're finishing up now. Excellent. So what, what was the what was the feedback when you're you're sitting in the firehouse around the uh, coffee table and you're laying these maps out? What was what was some of the feedback that you were receiving from, uh, you know, the firefighters and the captains in the house? <laughs> so it was a I, I, you know, I, I spent a long time. Uh, I spent, I've still spent most of my career as a as a frontline firefighter. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I still feel like I look at from my from a, my perspective on on um, change and decision makings, I'm always looking at it from, well, how would I feel, you know, as a firefighter and how do I approach it from that aspect? Uh, but, you know, I, I think that the, the, the feedback and going into the exercise, a little, everybody was a little, eh, what are we talking about? Um, but once I laid it out and I said, listen, I need you to talk to me about the city. I'm brand new to the city. You know, I live an hour away. Um, I came here in high school a couple of times, but beyond that, I don't really know. So I need, I need to understand what you, what mm -hmm. you understand. Um, and all of a sudden, I think it, it really seemed like a light, a light switch clicked on. And now they're like, oh, you're asking for our feedback. You want to know what we think. And all of a sudden, you know, there's pouring mm -hmm. out. And it was it was <laughs> the biggest challenge was gathering all the things that people were saying um, and getting it on the map. And, and people were I've got these great pictures of firefighters all around this little piece of paper um, or a big piece of paper on it. And they're all trying to point at the same time. Um, so it was, it was really well received. Wow, that's excellent. So, you know, we've talked a little bit in the past about, uh, you know, the concept that I think that you brought there, fire marshals to operations. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and I think in most organizations, there's always been a divide between the fire marshal's office, fire prevention bureau, <clears throat> and the people on the line. And it's always us and them a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, you know, you do what you do and you do what you do and we don't cross paths. So how did you how did you start to address that? Yeah, so a lot of, you know, we it, it's really difficult to build a bridge across the Grand Canyon. Um, so uh, so either we fix it by building this huge bridge across the Grand Canyon and I don't have the capacity within you know, with my resources to do it. So we changed the model um, in spring of spring, summer of 2020, right in the middle of COVID, we had some retirements and. Um, and I had a coming into the job. I had a, a plan for um, how we could reorganize when we had the opportunity to reorganize. So through a little bit of attrition uh, with those retirements, I was able to reorganize our fire marshal's office um, to have one um, to essentially have a battalion chief that's the deputy fire marshal um, to be on duty, you know, Monday through Friday during normal business hours. And then I had the opportunity to bring in three captains uh, for A, B, and C shift. Uh, the, the interesting thing was is that we had a similar model in the past that um, didn't work at all. And going into this, I collected a lot of, I, I asked, asked questions. I, I wanted to know why it didn't work. Um, and then we all met together. I said, you know, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. When we deploy three captains back to A, B, and C shift, 
um, for one, it's going to reduce my my overtime budget, you know, tremendously. Um, it's going to reduce the amount of time that engine companies are waiting for interaction from an inspector or an investigator in the middle of the night. Um, and we can start to integrate other integrate um, these positions in the other parts of the uh, um, organization. But when I when when I when I sat down with everybody, I said, "This is where the rubber meets the road. We have to we have to be a one team." So. It's my expectation that you eat at least two meals a day with the uh, um, with the station that you're that you're assigned to, and you know get out to the other stations too. Um, but at least eat two meals a day. Um, the morning meetings you have to be a part of, and um, physical fitness and training in the morning you have to be a part of. Now mm -hmm. that eats into the time that that my inspectors and investigators need to do their their things. Um, but you know, moving into it, a lot of the firefighters were like, "This is just going to be 2.0." That's what I kept hearing. It's going to be 2.0. It's going to be the same thing, just called something differently. Yeah. Uh, but you know, 30 days in, it was uh, um, it wasn't it wasn't 2.0. You know, our we we got rid of the name of fire marshal. Um, I, we call them ops two. Um, we used to have a battalion one and a battalion two. The battalion two used to be the uh, the on duty fire marshal, and it, that didn't work really well because there was not a lot of integration. Um, but when we redeployed it, we didn't call them fire marshals. They're they're part of the command team. They they help with they do incident command on 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 larger incidents. Um, they're uh, they're responding to to fire alarms. They're they're doing all the things that in theory we should been should have been doing for a long time, but we just never had the opportunity to do it. Uh, so it, it's really neat that um, that the companies have have kind of, kind of done an about face and said we love that they're here. And we don't want them to uh, to take any time off because you know when they're off, then they don't have that resource immediately, you know, immediately available. Um, but it's it's turned out really, really well, bringing fire marshals back into operations, making them part of a command team. And from a succession management or succession planning standpoint, I've got three captains that are going to do really, really well on a uh, on a battalion assessment. So I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to losing them, but if if there's an opportunity, I'd love to push them through that. Uh, um, through that process. Yeah, they'll continue that influence uh, throughout the rest of their career. And I would imagine that uh, some of your younger firefighters that are looking to promote up uh, are probably seeing that also as a, an additional pathway. Yeah, and there's not a lot of, especially in the city of Charlottesville, I don't think that there's been a lot of interest, um, you know, to move into the fire marshal's officer into community risk reduction. Uh, but since we've we've made this change, I've had a couple firefighters and a couple captains come to me and say, "Hey, there's ever an opening or ever an opportunity, you know, remember me because I uh, I would love to come help you." So that resistance that you maybe had experienced the, the first 30, 60, 90 days has kind of waned off, and and now you're starting to see that turnaround where you're actually getting some engagement long term. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing our ops two and our battalion one sitting in the same vehicle now during command incidents. We're seeing um, um, we're seeing our fire marshals out on alarms before the engine company is getting there. You know, not waiting for the engine company to call them. Um, you know, they're really starting to integrate well into uh, into operations. That's great. So you know, we, we've we've spoken a lot in the past about the how every organization uses data just a little bit differently and. Um, you know, could you provide some details into how you're using data and in the organization from a community risk reduction standpoint? Yeah, so I mean, the the amount of information that's available to us is amazing, right? 
um, you know, we have the we have we have data on on every structure in the city. We have data on every incident that we respond to. Um, and the neat thing is, is that everything that we do as an industry, we do it somewhere, so we can tie a location to it. Um, so, you know, I'm a you know most of I'm like most firefighters. I'm a visual guy, and I like to see a picture. And I think that I can I think that we can use data represented within GIS to tell a real story of what's going on, either from an operational standpoint, from a risk standpoint, from a, um, um, a workload standpoint, it's all visual, it's all can be visualized within a map and we can really bring that together and, and start to form, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, form a really robust risk assessment. So you, you've, you, I think you, you're using a pretty innovative approach uh, to drive community risk reduction all the way down into the firehouse, um, and uh, could you could you kind of share that with the audience today? Because I think it's pretty unique, and I think it's a it's really a roadmap for what the fire and emergency services needs to be doing from a national perspective. Yeah, absolutely. We're um <clears throat> we're taking we're looking at it from one from a risk assessment standpoint, and I want to mm -hmm. have something that's in the hands of a fire of a company officer when they go out to do a public engagement or they're out on the street. They can they can look at a risk assessment and say, well, I'm in the uh, the 10th and Page neighborhood, and I I know that these are the three things that we need to talk about when we're running calls in this neighborhood, or when we're at a um, a block party, or when we're at a you know um, uh, at one of the concerts on the downtown mall. We can have these conversations around what our risk assessment is really telling us. There's there's so much there's so much opportunity to 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 pull in operations and to provide them the information that they need, and all of a sudden we start to see these huge outcomes and this, these huge um, opportunities for improvement. Right. You also we we've talked in the past about you're using a pretty innovative approach to how you're driving community risk reduction down into the firehouse into the neighborhoods those firehouses are serving. So could you kind of walk us through that process uh, that you, you're using and how that's working out? Yeah, absolutely. So the um, from a from a community risk assessment standpoint, we could do a risk assessment on the city, um, you know, 10 square miles, uh, including the University of Virginia. But, you know, that really from, from my standpoint, that really doesn't help me much because it doesn't allow me to understand what the what the real needs are. And we can also do a risk assessment based on you know, fire department response zones. I've got four engine companies within the city. I could do a, um, a risk assessment on those four engine company response zones. But then again, the community doesn't really doesn't really have input or um, buy into that because the community doesn't care where the the lines are drawn for uh, for engine company responses. Yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the neat things about the city of Charlottesville and and, it, and a lot of other cities and communities are the same. There are neighborhoods and communities that are well-defined um, within, within the city. And the city of Charlottesville has 19 uh, established neighborhoods um, in a 10 square mile city. So they're, they get pretty, pretty small. Um, so what I found was that I can, I can use these 19, um, ni these 19 neighborhoods, develop a risk assessment um, for each of these neighborhoods and really start to tell the story of what's happening um, in the Greenbrier neighborhood, in the Venable neighborhood, or in the Tenth and Page neighborhood. Uh, but what that really gives me gives what what that does for me, and what that does for my company officers on an engine company is it gives them a uh, a reference point. If I'm 
if I'm a company officer on an engine doing a, uh, a public engagement on the downtown mall during the summer where mm -hmm. we're walking and just ha and, and smiling and, and uh, giving out stickers, there's also an opportunity to look at that risk assessment and say, hey, you know, we're on in this neighborhood. These are the three things that we should be talking about that's specific to here. Um, because every street corner, every neighborhood, every um, every community is different, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we can't say that everybody just needs cooking fire um, uh, interaction. I know in the city of Charlottesville, there's two neighborhoods that that um, that require like engagement focused on cooking fires, right? But I also mm -hmm. know that some other neighborhoods have um, high incidence of pedestrians being struck by vehicles. I see. Uh, um, uh, neighborhoods that have a, a, a huge increase in stroke and, in, um, and cardiovascular disease where I don't see that in, in other places. So there's, there's using the data, using, um, the things that we have available to us, we can start to build risk assessments and, um, and, and really, you know, drive outcomes. One of the nice thing, the neat things that we did in Charlottesville is we partnered with, um, Esri and everybody, Everybody has an understanding of what Esri can do, but when you start to dive down into some of their products, um, it gives you some really good things for the fire service to jump on top of. Um, our, our, um, our neighborhood risk assessment with those 19 neighborhoods is, is built within the Esri story map. So on the iPads in the front seats of a fire truck, on an iPhone um, or a computer in the station, our company officers will now have the ability to go in, click on the neighborhood they're in, and open up all of this information that they have available to them. Um, Esri's Community Analyst is a great tool um, to bring in all of this information about um, behaviors. Um, you know, uh, how many how many households don't have a vehicle? How many households have internet or a smartphone? You know, things like that, because that really tells the story of the neighborhoods, and that's kind of where we're trying to get to. But our um, our neighborhood risk assessment has got um, talks very specifically about incident rankings. Top three. Top three for provider impressions, top three for um, CAD responses. So what kind of calls are we going to? Um, it talks very specifically about the, the engagement focus. What is it that, that our company officers and our, our firefighters should be talking about? Um, it, also can, it also hits on those considerations that need, it's almost like the, uh, the interpretation. We know that certain neighborhoods are full of UVA students. And that, and that um, the types of calls are generated because of UVA students. And when the students are out of town, you know, we see a decrease in calls. So we, we mentioned that within, you know, those neighborhood descriptions. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're grabbing public data such as um, earthquakes, hurricanes, um, rain, average rainfall, you know, for areas, because all of that information, you know, is publicly available. So let's start to bring it into a map and, and start to, to look at it. Um, we're, we're examining rental homes based on the owner's address. Um, you know, if the owner's address is different than the property address, likely it's a rental home and likely that provides a little bit different risk. And we're able to visualize that for each of our individual neighborhoods. So that's a really, that's a really great example because I, I know a lot of organizations still today are looking at, they, they just look at their run responses and say, this is where our, this is where our issues are at. They don't really yep. know what, what's driving the issues. So I think from a standpoint of what, what's the long-term vision for community risk reduction throughout the U.S., it is really about driving down into the data points to, to figure out what's happening in the different segments of, community, of the community so we can address those effectively on the front end 
so that we don't have failures, you know, on the back end, and, and which requires us to be called. Um, and yeah. so. And you make a really good point that a lot of a lot of fire departments use incident data because that's the data that they have. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a really good first step for a risk assessment. If you have reliable data on incidents, take it and, and build and start to build your risk assessment. Um, but just remember that a risk assessment doesn't have to be huge. You know, a risk assessment is literally lots of little baby risk assessments all put together, right? You know, we have we have risk assessments built for incident responses, and then we added something to it. Then we added this to it, um, and we continue to build it out. And all of a sudden, now we have this big, robust risk assessment that drives uh, drives our decisions in the city of Charlottesville. You had mentioned uh, uh, a little bit earlier about uh, some partnerships, can community partnerships, and and how um, you can achieve community risk reduction outcomes through the engagement of community partners. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So the uh, it's funny. I always say that the fire department we're we're our own worst enemy because we we want to be the best fire department for the community. Um, and we we gloat that we're the best fire department for the community because we do all of these things and with little resources. Um, but I would argue that we need to be the a good enough fire department for the community, and that we don't need to solve everybody's problems because there are people out there that solve problems really really well for for specific um, communities demographics problems. Um, so so one of the things that that we did in Charlottesville early on when I first got here um, was take a look at the way that we approach frequent 911 utilizers. So there's a really good example of uh, we have a gentleman that um, lives in a third floor apartment. Um, he has no legs. He's wheelchair bound. He is mm -hmm. the nicest guy in the world. He's a retired. Um, he, he's retired from the Air Force. He was a uh, a retired police officer. Um, and is and is just genuinely a nice guy, but he called almost every day for two years to help us take him up the stairs. He can get down the stairs just fine, but getting back up the stairs, he called the fire department. Now we did it for two years because we didn't have another resource for that. Um, so one of the first things that 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 I worked with was the uh, frequent 911 utilizer workgroup, um, and I, I retooled it in the first couple of months of uh, of um, of 2020 because I said we've got to figure out who it is that that can actually start to help solve problems. Um, so we brought in um, uh, we brought in representatives from Department of Social Services, um, Region 10, a lot of the area nonprofits, um, mm -hmm. you know, our, our, our area health care, because we have a big trauma center in a, in a community hospital here in the in, in the city as well. And I brought in all of those people and I was like, hey, listen, these are the the people or the locations that we're going to most often. How can we how can we talk individually about them and start to solve the problems? And what happened was we put we put people that are passionate about the community and, and know the resources in the community. All of a sudden, our gentleman that lives on the third floor doesn't call us anymore um, because there is a gym in the city of Charlottesville that caters to people with disabilities. He goes to the gym and the, the deal is that and it's a free gym. Um, the deal is, is that. As long as he goes to the gym and works out, they'll carry him up and down the stairs all day long, um, <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, that's that's thinking outside of the box. That's not something that we knew about, and that's not something that the fire department needed to fix. Um, and you know, we 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 were able to pull all of this workload from our operations staff, pulled it off of them, and transferred it to a more appropriate resource. So it's all about partnerships, you know, because. Once once we establish those relationships and we start to support them with information, with data, with with insight, 
a lot of times there's there's people out there that are willing to to do it and have the resources to do it far more so than than the fire department can ever do yeah and i think that was identified in the 21st century fire and emergency services report that that uh, you know the, the fire and emergency services are in a, a very unique position in their community because they're often seeing the problems firsthand sometimes they can't deal with them uh, but if we can convene others that can bring them under our umbrella of response and you know and create these partnerships we can really influence uh, significantly some of the socioeconomic factors that are occurring in our communities that are driving our runs and so but we can't do it all ourselves but we can sure get everybody to the table to help us do it yeah and it drives efficiency and, and decreases our workload and that's that's one of those biggest side effects of community risk reduction that no one real I mean that a lot of people realize after it's happened but don't realize up front mm -hmm. yeah well, this, this has been a great conversation. What, what, what would you like to end up with uh, today? What would you like to share with everybody about, uh, you know, what you're seeing? Where, where's, the, where's the industry going to go in? Where's it going to yeah. go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I truly believe that the industry, from a fire service standpoint, that, that we're always going to need the fire department, right? You know, there, there's mm -hmm. always an opportunity for, um, for municipalities, local governments to have a fire department. Um, but the funding is not always going to be there and, unless we show that we're a, we're a community investment. Um, you know, right now the fire service is looked at as a community liability. We need to change that and make it um, and show our decision makers, show our policy makers that what the fire department's doing in the community is not just putting up fires because we don't do that very often. You know, we do so much more and we need to communicate that. And we can use the models of community risk reduction to go out and say, these are the things we need to, to impact. Let's, let's do it in the most efficient way. And all of a sudden now there's, there's, um, there's this buy-in in, you know, funding the fire department for other things. You know, it's, it's understanding that community risk reduction is not the fire marshal's office. Um, the fire marshal's office may be a portion of community risk reduction, but you know, community risk reduction is not public education. And I always say it's not, it's not red plastic hats and stickers. You know, it's, it's a coordinated effort with all of our partners to do the right thing. And, and I, I really urge people to, to take a minute, understand you know, what CRR really is and find the opportunities within your fire department uh, to, to, to take that step outside of the box because working, in, working within the community risk reduction um, field or in that venue or in that environment is not comfortable until you understand what's going on. And then mm -hmm. once you see the, the value in it, um, it, it'll take your fire department light years ahead um, with sustainable funding, sustainable people. It, it, it's really the, the future of the fire service. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I mean, we're going to, we're always going to have pieces of fire equipment that respond because emergency response is part of the, the what, part of the five segments of, of community risk reduction. But Absolutely. I think we're going to be doing so many other things in the future. Uh, to lower the the community risk, and we're going to be engaged in things that we may not even see today. Um, and I think we just have to be open to those perspectives and be willing to, you know, you know, take a risk sometimes and step out of our our normal comfort zone in our box and say we're gonna we're gonna try this and see if it works. And if it fails, you know, you fail forward and and you make it better next time. So exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Chief, thanks so much for being with us uh, here today and uh, sharing your insight and expertise and knowledge about community risk reduction and 
and uh, look forward to seeing what happens in Charlottesville over the next uh, two, three years. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And thank you so much. This is a great opportunity and I appreciate everybody listening. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you.